Hi, friends. Welcome to The Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walk by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. My guest this week is Dan Enright. Dan is one of our dearest family friends and the husband of Jenny Enright from episodes 11 and 12. Dan's a Bible teacher at a local Christian school and an incredible drummer who can be heard on several of my husband's songs. This episode is a bit different because Dan is sharing how God transferred him from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So here is my interview with Dan Enright. Hey, Dan. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have this kind of conversation with you. Hey, Steph. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and talking to you about this on your uh, podcast. Yeah. So, Dan, you and your wife are two of our dearest friends, longtime friends. Well, it's really only been like three or four years, but... Man, you know those friends where you're just like, I must have known you forever. That's kind of how it feels. So, yeah, absolutely. It's the same for us yeah. too. I think we just had a an immediate connection, and it's just grown ever since. Yeah, so, yeah. And Jenny was on the podcast a while back. I can't remember what episode number. I'll have to mention that later. But um, talking about former church experience, and um, just the other day, you know, you and me and Phil and Jenny, we were all talking about you know, our testimony, and you started sharing a little bit about yours, and I just thought, this is something that other people need to hear. And so I'm excited for you to share just kind of how you came to know God and what He's been doing in your life. Oh, yeah. I'm really happy to to share that. Um, it's been a while since I've given my testimony at great length. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a really good, good opportunity, and I'm, I'm really happy to to do it, appreciate the uh, the chance to be here. So, um, as far as my testimony, it it just makes sense for me to to go back to my childhood, where I really had, well, I really came to a realization of um, a, a religious content in my life when I was growing up in the. Um, in a Catholic family. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure that I was baptized as, as an infant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there there was a point where I became conscious of the religious rhythm of, of mm-hmm. our family and, and how I was um, brought into that mm-hmm. um, by them in, in the Catholic Church. Right. And... Um, so I was was raised, um, like I said, in a Catholic family, and we were um, very um, intentional yeah. on on being uh, at church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> um, I, I remember going through uh, the sacraments, of course, mm-hmm. infant baptism, and then my first communion. Um, confession, confirmation, mm-hmm. and um, I also uh, was uh, was an altar boy. I was really immersed right. in, in the church. You were a good little Catholic boy. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so um, 
and it, it, at the time, I just thought it was part part of us as as mm-hmm. a family. That's that's what we did. And um, but then as I as I grew older, I started to uh, think about things more deeply mm-hmm. in a, in a spiritual sense. And I remember, even though I would uh, participate in in so much of the um, the life of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, God really became more and more of a mystery to me. Mm. And I remember at a certain point in my teens, um, I started to uh, to check out, and it. It, it was me. It wasn't for a lack of right. not being there, not being encouraged to participate in um, in the church because I, I did a lot of it. But at the same time, I just I wasn't getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and my I, I don't think it was a frustration, but it was more of a of a void still. And mm. it, it became kind of deeper and deeper. Mm. And I remember at uh, one church we used to attend, the, um, they had a, an enormous crucifix mm-hmm. um, behind the altar. And I, I just remember uh, looking at that uh, week after week, you know, Jesus hanging on the cross. And, and I'm like, what, what was that all about? I mean, I just didn't get it. I mean, I would recite the creed every Sunday, mm-hmm. the Apostles' Creed. And, and it basically contained the gospel. But just something, it was for me, it was more rote than, okay. than anything. I would just um, say it when I was supposed to say it mm-hmm. and prayed when I was supposed to pray. But I remember going, I just, it wasn't clicking. There, there wasn't a connection being made. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my sister had a different experience. Like, we've talked uh, before, and for her, she got it. Uh, but for me, I, I just didn't. And a, another, I remember one other time distinctly, um, I went to confession. And um, and usually how it goes is that I, after confession, I was told uh, to just pray the rosary once, um, in my case, 10, 12 times. <laughs> um, but even, and, and again, I'm going through the motions mm-hmm. and I'm doing this because I, I really wanted to be a, a good Catholic, even though I, had, I was struggling with a lot of these things. Yeah. But I remember at one point thinking I was praying uh, on my knees, praying the rosary at, at the church. And I, I had this thought like, how do I know that I'm really forgiven? How, how do I know that what that priest told me really brought God's forgiveness? Mm. And, and I struggled with that. Um, and I also found myself through, through my years in, in the church really kind of bucking the system at the same time. Um, it's, it's like... What, what the Apostle Paul def- defines kind of as the effect of the law. Mm-hmm. Like the more uh, rules that were in place, um, the more motions I had to go through, the more I found myself wanting to um, uh, kick back against that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this all about? Yeah. Um, 
So there was definitely a, a rebellion in me at the same time. Um, and I just what became really confused and frustrated at a certain point. Because mm-hmm. here I am going through all these motions. I'm, I'm in the church, right? right? But I don't know God. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm forgiven. And I have no idea what that guy hanging on the cross really means. Um, so the, the rebellion just kind of grew from there. It got worse and worse. Um, mm-hmm. My late teens, uh, by the time I could, could drive, um, if I told my parents I was like going to church, going to the later mass or something mm-hmm. like that, I wouldn't go. You yeah. know, I'd go hang out at a friend's house, play poker, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as, as a result, I eventually checked out of the, the church completely. And um, when did that happen that you just said I was kind of done with church? I, I think uh, about like formally, it was when I was 18. Okay. Like, I, I respected my parents, and as long as I was in their house, um, even though I was kind of sneaking around um, at 17, like saying, I'm going to take the car, I'm going to go to church. I, I wasn't, yeah. but I, I finally um, came out with it when I was about 18. Uh-huh. And, um, but by that time, you know, I had, I had become involved in some pretty heavy partying, mm-hmm. um, was, uh, experimenting with, uh, with drugs, um, smoking a lot of marijuana, mm-hmm. um, ended up becoming, um, uh, addicted to cocaine mm-hmm. for, for a few years, um, and and other uh, really bad bad things. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I was bottoming out, really. And there was one point, um, you know, this is kind of like a behind the music VH1 kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, with like real redemption, yeah. but um, just like you see so often in those uh, documentaries. Um, mm-hmm. Man, I bottomed out big time yeah. on on drugs and um, everything that came along with that. Um, and there was one night where I I almost OD'd, and it was the, one of the scariest things in my life that mm-hmm. that happened to me. It was '86. It was just after uh, Len Bias had died from mm-hmm. a cocaine overdose, and he was. Um, he was a basketball player, played mm-hmm. for the University of Maryland and was like second overall pick for the Boston Celtics and was compared to Michael Jordan. And um, like the year he was drafted was the year that he died. Wow. And I I just kept, my mind kept going there as I was sitting in my bed and my heart was going a thousand miles an hour. And I'm like, I'm going to die. This, the, mm-hmm. Like this is it. Um, but, you know, by God's grace... Um, only, um, I came out of it, you know, yeah. and, uh, and never touched it again. Uh, it's, so it was just like, I'm going to end up there. It was like a yeah. conscious decision and then God helping you along the way. Yeah. But I wasn't conscious of that. I don't, yeah. you know, I would not have said back then. You would have just know, thought it was willpower. Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't have said, yeah. And then I, then I found Jesus. Yeah. It wasn't that way, you know, mm-hmm. um, for me to to get out of that uh, particular addiction, um, 
but yeah, I, I became a, a real mess. And um, so there was a there was a point. Of course, I've I've uh, played drums for a number of years and became involved in uh, a particular project uh, with some guys in my early twenties, mm-hmm. and. Um, and w- one guy in the band had kind of like a, this spiritual angle to him, even though he wasn't a Christian, mm-hmm. but he had a kind of a searching kind of spirit within him. Right. And he would write about spiritual things. Mm-hmm. And, um, in fact, we named the, the band Firstborn, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing yeah. what that really meant yeah. um, in terms of a uh, a biblical term or anything like that but um we started you know doing some uh doing some music some original music that that had a spiritual overtone to it and um and at that point um I was pretty much clean mm-hmm. um would dabble still a little bit in, in some other other stuff but um became really fascinated and connected to the New Age movement, which mm-hmm. was really big back then yeah. in the um, in the late eighties, mm-hmm. um, early nineties, around in there, mid eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Um, so, I uh, we he and I both uh, got connected to this group that had regular meetings. Um, they were all into like crystal healings and alien encounters and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and um was reading a lot on um alien abductions or you know so-called alien abductions alien encounters stuff like that right and um so that that really kind of derailed me for a little bit but i th- i think at the same time there was uh I was searching, I think, you know, mm-hmm. I, I knew that, um, what I was previously involved in, uh, was a dead end, even though, um, at the time, um, it was enjoyable, you know, right. to, to be stimulated and, you know, uh, but I, I knew deep down it was, it was a dead end. And so I, I, I feel like I kind of moved to the next thing. And which was the the new age movement, and uh, spent uh, a while in in that scene, um, and then uh, can I can I stop you? Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious. I mean, I, I I guess I mean I know that the new age movement was was big and you know has different areas. It is definitely still very much a thing. What? What was that like? I mean, you're you're coming in from this, you know, Catholic background, and then you know, who knows, like, not interested in God sort of time, and then you've come into this place where they're talking about crystals and alien abductions or alien encounters, as you're talking about. Like, so you, what what were you thinking in all of that? I was thinking, <clears throat> not not too deeply, but my thought was I. I was lacking a spiritual element okay. in my life, and and I knew drugs 
learn it. Right. Um, I mean, they could uh, simulate mm -hmm. spiritual encounters, so to speak. But when you're down and off of them, you're back to real life. Right. And it doesn't last. Um, so I, I, th my thinking was, this is the the spiritual element of my life that that's not there. Okay. And and even if it, even if I was thinking in in shallow terms, um, which I think I was, it's it was a novel idea. Mm. You know, my friends into it. These other people are way into it. There seems to be like a community. Um, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is probably what I'm missing here. Okay. And uh, so that I think that's yeah, that's what I was thinking. It temporarily filled that hole and seemed seemed yeah. to be meeting the needs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from from there, I um, I became involved in another um, music project. And it was uh, it was a cover band, mm -hmm. and um, and I was still you know into the the whole new age thing, um, and we would uh, this this band that I was in, we uh, we did a lot of we were playing a lot, yeah, <clears throat> and mostly pretty rough places, a lot of biker bars, um, and. Uh, I had a friend in the area who was a like sold out, committed Jesus follower. Mm -hmm. um, but he just freaked me out <laughs> because he was so much of a committed, sold out Jesus follower. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's just too weird. Yeah. Um, and, but but at, at the same time, why I say that is he was also in the in the music scene up there, uh, a incredible musician, like phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I never got close to him. I never really wanted to because of the Jesus factor mm -hmm. in his life. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't feel comfortable with that at all. Mm -hmm. And, and that's really the big thing that prevented me from kind of hanging around him. Um, making an effort to get a hold of him and talk and stuff like that. Um, but there was one time, I, I forget, I, I was in the band, this cover band, for quite a while. And um, my friend, the uh, the Jesus freak, um, <laughs> out of the blue, yeah. uh, called, called me uh, one time. And he's like, hey... Hey man, I um I put this band together and we've got like pretty good amount of material. It's all original music and you know, I was wondering if uh if like we could open for you guys some night at a club. And um I remember talking to it, talking about it with with another guy in the band and I was still like super reluctant. I'm like, no, this guy—he's all about Jesus. It's no, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is, uh, when I was younger, he used to be in like the premier rock cover band in the like 
it seemed like worldwide. This it was so <laughs> it it wasn't, yeah. but to me at that time, yeah. this guy was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to go see him in his cover band, mm-hmm. Rock Sedan, was the name <laughs> of the, the, nice. the band. Yeah, but it, man, it just awesome. Mm-hmm. So that when I was thinking about that, and, and I was like, man, he he is awesome, and he yeah. rocks, he shreds, he metal, all yeah. that. I mean, he's a good fit musically yeah. to open up open for the band. So we were like, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's do this. And um so I remember uh the night that his band opened for ours, he he walks in with just himself and this other guy who played bass. Just two guys walk in the club <laughs> and I'm it, we're both like staring at him like what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's like he almost doesn't even like look at us. Yeah. He's so focused and he takes out this electronic drum machine and oh. hey, do you guys have some patch chords? And he starts hooking up this drum machine to the PA. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so it's yeah. him and a bass player, really. Right. And um, we're like, okay, well, I mean, they're here. Let's do this thing. So <laughs> they started uh, playing. And um, and and this guy always had like a professional edge. No, no matter, no matter what he did, sounded good. So I knew, even though I had a drum machine, it was gonna be like awesome, mm-hmm. and it was. But when he he started singing, um, sorry. Man, it was um, it was powerful. Um, it he came out and just it was it was all about Jesus mm. and um, grace, um, the cross. You know what it meant, forgiveness. Um, Just for you know, forty-five minutes straight. He wasn't, you know, this. He wasn't like speaking around it. Like he was speaking, like it was like John the Baptist style. Yeah, like in your face. Mm. But it was. You could tell that there was intention and and love mm-hmm. behind all this. And I, I'm, I mean, I was at the soundboard, and I was just like my jaw just hit the floor i'm like what in the world and like this guy is it it, it, like jesus didn't bother me at that point it was Mm -hmm. more like this guy is so committed there there's something behind him yeah there's something that's like filling him Mm. and um this is like a like a metal biker bar type place yeah totally and he's I mean, these are like hardcore, like metal yeah. songs yeah. that he's doing. Uh, but it's he's preaching the gospel, mm. you know. And and I'm and later on, you know, I remember looking back at that, going, "That's exactly where he needed to be." Mm-hmm. You know, he was bringing that message to a a very very dark yeah. place and dark atmosphere. And um, and it just it it hit me that night, and um, 
I, I actually, you know, started talking to him after or between um, the the bands. Like after he he broke, I, I was talking to him, and I'm like, dude, I, that was just incredible. Mm. And I go, I'm I'm just blown away. Uh, I, I go, yeah, the music, yeah, but I'm like, dude, there's there's something like about you with this whole Jesus thing, and um. We were, he goes, and he wasn't like pushy or anything like that. He's just like, man, dude, just like, why don't you just buy a Bible and start reading the Gospel mm-hmm. of John? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was it. Yeah. And um, like, okay. So um, eventually, you know, I did. Mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I didn't even know what kind of Bible to buy. Yeah. I just remember, okay, I want, let's see, I've seen like black leather Bibles. Okay. Yeah. I'd like a black leather Bible. <laughs> And like, <laughs> uh, like it's so funny now because you and my husband are both like. I mean, you would never probably use the term Bible scholars, but you both are, and like so particular about your sources on things. Like you would never, ever, ever say, "I'm going to pick this Bible based off the look yeah. of it." But that's so. Let's. I, I think that's amazing. That's so like what you came in with. Like, yeah, this is what I've seen. Let yeah. me. Yep. Let me have the black leather yep. Bible, please. The black leather. And I think it was like fake leather or something. Because they showed me a black leather Bible. Like, I can't, I can't afford that. Do you have any kind of other black Bible? <laughs> I'll take your cheapest black leather Bible. Yeah. Not real yeah. leather, please. Like, and it ended up being the King James Version. Okay. Which, it's a little hard to get through yeah, initially. Right. Yeah. And and I, I remember started I, I started reading it. Um, and I'm like, I... I can't understand this stuff. Mm-hmm. There's no way. So um, I forget who it was. Someone told me, just uh, go by, uh, it was just called The Book. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and I bought it um, the next time I was out at that, at that store. Yeah. And, um, and it was written like, um, it's very easy to read. Right. And, and so, so yeah, I started reading the gospel of John and, um, man, I was getting through it and I would, uh, at the time I was living in my parents' basement because that's what 24 year old drummers do. Yeah. Even like 44 year old drummers do. <laughs> yeah. I can say that cause I'm a drummer. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yeah, I was living at my home and my parents' mm-hmm house and um really no plan yeah with my life at that point except you know drums but uh the more and i would just read the gospel of john at night in in my bedroom and the more i read um i was just like overwhelmed with the thought that if this stuff is true that I'm reading. It has eternal ramifications for my life. And um, the more I read, the the more I, <clears throat> I literally felt like I was being invited into something. Mm-hmm. I felt this pull. I felt this yeah. draw. Um, and it was so powerful. And... Um, so I, I can't remember if I if I actually finished the Gospel of John at this point or not, but th- there was a point where 
I was just so overwhelmed with what I was reading. And I, and I, like, I understood for the first time what th- that meant to, for Jesus to be on the cross. Mm. And, um, yeah, I was just overwhelmed. I remember, I definitely remember John chapter 3, of course, 316, the famous mm-hmm. for God so loved the world. And uh, John 11 with um, Jesus and uh, and Martha. I think it's John 11, isn't it? Or is it 10? Where I am the resurrection and the life. Okay. Um, but anyway... Um, do you, do you, I mean, with, especially with like uh, Martha and Mary, what what was grabbing you about that? Do you remember? I, I think quite simply it was Jesus' words, I am the resurrection and the life. Okay. And, and that like brought in that other element of uh, Christ's work. It wasn't just the cross. Mm. It's like, He's not there anymore. He's not yeah. on the cross anymore. Mm. He was resurrected. Yeah. And um, the rest of the story, so to speak. And um, yeah, I, I really felt um, his living presence uh, that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just, I was like, I don't, you know, I, I think I was talking to him talking to God. I like, God, I don't know what to do, but just get on my knees right now. And um, I said, I, I believe this is true. And if um, if it's Jesus, I, I want him. I'm, I'm trusting in him for what he says he will give me, which is forgiveness mm-hmm. of my sins and eternal life. And I'm sure it was probably, you know, a bit muddled mm-hmm. um, while I was talking to him, you know, out loud. But, um, man, it I changed that mo- I knew something had happened. Yeah. Like, it was huge. Um, yeah, it was, it was huge. Something, yeah, something it had definitely happened. And... Um, do you remember the first person you told after that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, so after, and, and it, it wasn't like a like a physical sensation. Yeah. You know, but there was a paradigm shift mm-hmm. in, in like everything, my constitution. Yeah. Um, I'm like, wow, the, this, is, this is brand new. Mm-hmm. Something just happened. So I um I I w- walked upstairs and um and so I'm I'm thinking for a little bit, like, okay, like I think I get it now, you know, and um and I thought, well, th- maybe this is why I was in church all my life. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is that's why my mom and dad were so persistent. You know, this is it. I just discovered it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went up, and I they were sitting at the kitchen table. And um, I, re- I remember this so vividly. I, 
I, I just said, um, I, I think I just got saved. <laughs> and, um, and th- like thinking they would, okay, well, finally, Dan, yeah. you idiot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but it was just like th- the, the look, they didn't get it. They didn't understand. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I had this feeling at that moment that, like, I'm like, I'm alone in this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was the strangest sensation because I was so overjoyed and full mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, and then. I, I I think they they thought I just had kind of a weird experience. Like they, I could tell they didn't understand. Yeah. And um. And I, I remember thinking, I'm yeah, I'm I'm alone. And um. So I just I kept reading my Bible. Um, and then that I remember that next week. Um, I was like, I gotta, I gotta go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's so weird because like, you, like you don't, for me, I didn't realize how, how much of an, a, a, um, a, a babe I was in Christ from the beginning. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't understand anything like, yeah. um, the verses in uh, in the Gospels where it, um, seek, knock, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember one night, like I, I was desperate to to talk to someone who I thought would who could understand what happened. So I remember one night going to the Catholic Church that mm. I was part of bef- number of years before, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, I can I can go to a church and I can knock, and the door is going to be opened, and I'll have this incredible. God moment, God experience. So mm-hmm. I don't know what time it was, and and the priest lived on the, on the on, on the, the property, premises, right? Yeah. The house was right next to the church. So here's this dude pulling up this beater car. At, I don't know what time it was, one, two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and I park in front of the church, and I just go up to the church doors and I just start knocking, and nothing's happening, and I'm like, what is up? <laughs> <It's> so bizarre. <laughs> but anyway, okay, I'm like, all right. I'll I'll try something else, and and so I don't know if it was the next day or the following. There was this little tiny church, um, just kind of down the road. I mean, like tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- and I forget what denomination, if if anything. So, I saw a car in the in the parking lot, and I'm like, well, maybe that's the priest, pastor, minister, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I went in. And, uh, and, and he like came out of his office and I'm like, I need to talk to someone. And he's like, okay, what about? And I'm like, I think I just got saved. <laughs> and he's like, you do? And I'm like, yeah, I, th- I think I did. And he's like, okay, why don't you come back to my office? <laughs> so um, we're sitting there yeah. and I know this guy's like, <laughs> who is this weirdo? Yeah. But um but but he told he totally understood. He like he took me through what I 
knew I had read in the Gospel of John mm-hmm. and basically laid out the gospel. And he says, "Have is this what you now believe? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yeah. And I was like, yes. He's like, okay, well then, yeah, you got saved. And I'm like, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway... Um, and then, you know, something kind of unfortunate happened. You know, he took my name, information, all that kind of stuff. And about a week later, there was a package in the in the mail that got delivered to me, and it was from the church. Mm-hmm. And I opened it up, and it was uh, offering envelopes for the rest of the year. And I'm like, uh, wait a second. Wah, and I, wah, I had wah. enough sense. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I had enough sense about me to go, okay, yeah, pass. So I'm on the road again. You were so close. Yeah, looking like, for uh, a church. Yeah. Um, and I and I actually found one a little further out, this other little town. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just so welcoming. And it and it turns out that one of my friends who I played baseball with in high school. Oh, okay. I didn't even know this, but he had gotten saved too, like mm. way before me. He, so he was, you know more of a mature Christian at that point. But I'm like, oh, okay, he's here. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I know him. But, um, yeah, they um, they invited me in, no pressure, and and I just became part of this community in this little tiny church. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, a guy there. He was, he was actually a Vietnam vet um, that was just the most godly man I, I remember. And he he really took an interest in me. What I, And what I didn't know at the time is is he took me on uh, to disciple me. Mm. Like he, he walked me through the faith. He helped me to grow and understand things oh. and was part of a, a Bible study with them. And I would go to the church on Sundays and stuff like that. But that's really where kind of the formative years of my Christian experience happened in that in that little church yeah um so as far as you know a testimony um i would say that's that's it um uh of course there from that point on i mean there's still plenty of which to testify right yeah um but in terms of my my coming to faith in christ Mm -hmm. in um that's that's kind of how it happened. That's how I yeah. got there. But just there was there were the um, my friend from Rock Sedan, and I have to say <laughs> it that way. Um, he was instrumental. Yeah. God God used him in an incredible way, and you just never know where it's going to come from. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, where did where did your music go after that? I mean, I, that's. Um. Yeah. So. About that time, I, um, I, 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 I knew I wanted to continue to pursue drums, and, and I still stayed in that cover band mm-hmm. for a while. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I think I want to take this a little further. Yeah. And so I applied um, to a music school out in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and, um, and I got accepted. And... Um, so some of the guys in the cover band had some friends in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and 
and they knew what I was trying to do. And, and he's like, well, hey, why don't you go? Because I wanted to go out and visit. They invited me to come visit the school. I wanted to go out there and see it and try to get some kind of situation happening in advance. And he's like, my buddy in the band was like, hey, why don't you call this guy? I'll let him know you're coming out. You can stay with him, check out the school, all that kind of stuff. And again, I'm a brand new Christian at this point. Um, so I, I, I visited uh, L.A., the school, and um, of course my friends' friends out in L.A. were, um, yeah, just um, they had you know kind of the party lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I didn't say much about my faith. Mm-hmm. And I just remember going out and just going to places I had no biz- business being in. Yeah. Um, and there was still just this, I, I noticed also at that point, there was still just this incredible pull on me from the dark mm. side. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, and I was like, you know what? Me and Jesus, we can handle this, yeah. right? So, um, so I kept everything um, intact as far as my plan. And then I checked in with the school. I, I had everything packed. I was ready to head out there. I called the school just to check in. Say, hey, yeah, I'm on my way. Um, this had never happened at the school, but they told me they they were actually about to call me because they canceled the program mm. due to a lack of enrollment. And my first reaction was, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> what in the world am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I look back after a while, um, if if God would not have intervened with that, and I really believe he did, yeah, um, I would have gone out to Los Angeles and I would have destroyed myself. Yeah. I just know it. No doubt. Mm. So he stepped in there. Mm. And um, yeah. yeah, so um, he, he cut that off, thankfully. When mm. I look back at the time, I was like, this is, this is terrible. The worst news ever. <laughs> the yeah. worst. Yeah. But um, no, he, he stepped in, saved me um, from, from, seriously uh, damaging, maybe even killing myself in the process. So, um, But then uh, not long after that, I I found out about about a a band down here in Houston that was looking for a drummer. They were advertising in this this music publication. And a friend of mine knew I was looking for some kind of drumming situation. Mm -hmm. And he found the ad, uh, cut it out, taped it to my window, Mm-hmm. of my car and I come out of work one day and it's on the car and I'm like oh that's interesting and so I just sat on it for a couple of weeks and I finally like was in my room one um, one night and I saw it again and I'm like oh, you know what I'm gonna give him a call so yeah. I called him ended up uh, um, you know coming down to audition for the band I was this this is when I was living in uh, Indiana at the time mm-hmm. but flew to Texas um, to Houston Spent a week here, like going over the material, playing. Um, this was April of uh, ninety one, and then uh, in July, uh, they called me and said, "Yeah, you're the guy." And wow. so I moved to Houston. 
mm-hmm. and then became a part of this this band that was based here and and played uh, for a number of years with them yeah um, and then uh, ended up leaving the band um, after three or four years got into mm-hmm. other you know music situations but that's kind of where the whole drumming thing went went from there yeah and now I've, I even do stuff for Phil every now and then. Yeah, you're featured on a few tracks uh, yeah. here and there, and um, yeah. that's awesome. Well, I think it's it's pretty incredible what God has done in bringing you through this and um, taking you from a place where you know you could have lived your whole life as a, a good boy in a church and not ever really known Jesus, and that's it. Yeah. That's a crazy thought. It I mean, is, that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but um, but praise God he didn't. And praise God he, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I listened to some, I listened to all different kinds of like Christian music, especially when I was in high school because I wanted my parents to approve of my music. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to some like really metal Christian music and being like, you know, it's so hard to get the lyrics out of a lot of this sometimes. How can this be getting to anybody? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to hear that like that is that was a huge turning point for you. Was hearing yeah. the the lyrics and the tenderness in these these lyrics, these grace filled lyrics. Like I'm picturing a metal like Rich Mullins mm-hmm. as <laughs> or like yeah. Keith Green or something like right. just, you know, truth <laughs> yeah. but with a metal veneer. But, yeah, yeah, and I, I, I just honestly believe that's how God knew I had to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, truth is truth. Yeah, no matter what the vehicle, right, um, by which it's being delivered. And um, He had that moment arranged for me, you mm-hmm. know, and and probably for other people in that bar that night. Yeah, who I, knows what who else was affected by no that? No doubt. Yeah, so. Um, and I, I think about, you know, the, the routine of, uh, religion sometimes. Mm -hmm. And there's a a verse in Isaiah that really struck me, um, uh, and that, that kind of goes to that in, in that, you know, with their lips, they, they praise me, but their hearts are far from me. Right. And so I was going through the motions in, in the church, um, but my heart was not with God. Yeah. My heart didn't know God. And and in, in the recesses of it, my heart was rebelling against God mm-hmm. the whole time, you know? Um, so yeah, it's a weird thing. Yeah. So many, so many people go through those motions. Right. Um, but in my case, as I, I was doing that, it's just um I wasn't there. Didn't mm-hmm. know God at all. Yeah. So. Well, what kind of advice would you now in life give your, you know, twenty early twenties self? Kind of what would you like to say to yourself at that point? <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely uh, respect your parents. Yeah. They had nothing but goodwill towards me and what they were doing mm-hmm. um, in having me in church. That yeah. that was their their Christian experience yeah. for their lives, their parents' lives. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and we can talk about the tradition of that. But, um, you know, they they had my best interests yeah. at heart and in mind. And um, so, yeah, I, I would say, Dan, you respect your parents. Mm-hmm. Listen to them. Um, cause I, I know I hurt them. I, I hurt a lot of people yeah. in, in those, in those years. Um, and, um, I think a, another thing, um, if I'm talking to my 20 year old self, um, as, as much as it seems appealing um, don't hang around with bad people. Yeah. I mean, we're all bad, right? I mean, yeah. to, we're, and, uh, you know what I'm saying about, mm-hmm. about that, but, um, people's lifestyle, and, it, and it's not like that God doesn't love them. It doesn't mean that they're not com- uh, created in God's image. They, they all are. Yeah. But if, um, if you, if you find yourself, Dan at 20, um, caught up in a crowd who whose uh whose lifestyle is consistent with things that are harmful mm-hmm. uh, to both yourself and other people um as much as you may want to do that for stimulation mm-hmm. um for a good time to be accepted whatever um resist right um psalms talks about um friendship and um i think it's in psalm 1 119 it talks about um a a true friend is one who fears thy name Mm. and i I know i'm paraphrasing i can't Mm -hmm. think of it exactly right now but um it's Hang hang around people who um, fear the Lord. Yeah, and of course I didn't get that at that time. Yeah. Anyway, that that would have been my friend, the mm-hmm. the metal guitarist, right? Yeah. That would have been a true friend. And yeah. did um, you guys ever really develop a friendship? Yeah, you did. Yeah, oh, we okay. did. Absolutely. Oh, we, that's awesome. When I moved here, we were in in contact a lot. Mm. He was. He had a another band project he was doing. He was recording and all that kind of stuff. And when I'd go home, we'd visit each other. We'd mm-hmm. hang out. He's a pastor now. Oh wow! You know, no surprise. Where is he? He's up in uh, in Indiana. Oh okay. Yeah, he's still That's up awesome. there. Yeah. So he's got a, a church, and he's the lead pastor there. And so, and every every so yeah. often, you know, I'll thank him mm. um, either on Facebook or something. And just say, man, this this guy right here was instrumental. God God used him um, to reveal himself to me, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's really crazy for me coming in and knowing you just in the last few years and this little segment of your life where you've like worked in ministry and worked as a a teacher, a religious teacher, to to think about your life, you know before and what God has brought you through and what God is doing. But I realized that I forgot at the beginning to have you tell us a little bit about 
yourself. And okay. so you can, we can tack it on to the end. I mean, this is my podcast. I can do what I want, right? You want And <laughs> I will follow your lead. Yeah. yeah. So uh, just for those that, that might have wanted to know what is... Dan Enright do on an average day, and who is this man? Okay. Just tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I wake up pretty early in oh. the morning. <laughs> Suddenly, I was awake. <laughs> yes. And the first thing I do is um, I kiss my wife. Aw. Yeah. And then I, um, then I, I try to have some, uh, some prayer time, some yeah. Bible reading, some study, yeah. Before I have to get ready to go to work. But anyway, um, you mentioned Jenny. She did yeah. she did a podcast with you. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I have been married for 24 years. Wow. Um, awesome. And, uh, yeah, we have a crazy dog named Gretchen. And, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I, I, uh, I teach for a, um, an Antiochian Orthodox school yeah. in southwest Houston. And I also am the facilities director there. So okay. it's a fairly new school, mm-hmm. um, about five years old. So everyone there is wearing a lot of different hats. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> as far as my, my teaching, I teach in the college. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach the scripture classes for freshmen, uh, teach theology uh, for uh, sophomores. And mm-hmm. then this year I'll be teaching Hebrew um, for juniors, yeah. we have a biblical wow. languages class that we're offering now in the college, and I'll be teaching this section on on Hebrews. So I'm excited about that. I think that's or on re- Hebrew. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's just so cool that this t- that time in your life, you know, around the end of high school and 19 ish years old, was when you were really, I'm done with this. You know, I'm walking. Yeah. I'm walking away. And how cool that you get to like catch these kids right at that age and mm. they're, you know, differentiating and they're finding their own way in life. And um, they may be at a religious school, mm-hmm. you know, just like you were in a religious institution. I don't know if you went to religious school too, but a lot of times those two go together. Yeah, I did one year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, there's, there's bound to be plenty of kids there that are students not kids, but students that mm-hmm. are, you know, do I really believe this? Is this really me? Or is this, you know, what I've grown up believing? Is this just something to make my family happy? And you get to, you know, catch them at that point to speak into their lives and to, yeah. you know, share with them, you know, how exciting the truth of the gospel is and how exciting, you know, Jesus is. Right. And how he's not just this, you know, figure on the wall. This is, he's so much more and he is the resurrection and the life. And I think that's incredible that you get to share that with them. Yeah. It's just amazing how God orchestrated all this Yeah, in his perfect time, timing, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, I, I always like to challenge that age group, high school, college, mm-hmm. like it's, Okay, you have the what of your faith, but what is the why of the what? You know, why okay. do you believe what you believe? Are you know, will you are are you willing to like go deeper and ask deep questions yeah. about your faith? And um, that's it's a really 
um, it's a really neat thing. Uh, I'm blessed to be able to do that. And, yeah. and all with, um, in, in my case, what the courses I'm teaching um, with, you know, biblical literacy in mind, of course, mm-hmm. and, and really helping students develop their faith, yeah. whether they're um, in a Catholic church or in an Orthodox church or in a Reformed church or whatever, mm-hmm. um, yeah. meeting them where they are mm-hmm. and, um, and just, uh, you know, trying to, to um, uh, take them um, to a deeper place, uh, a more enriching experience with with God in their faith, right? You know, so it's been it's been really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm so thankful that God brought you from where you were to where you are now, Amen. and I'm. I mean, I can't imagine our lives without you and Jenny and them. Oh, likewise. And, and it's you know you wouldn't be if it weren't for that. So that's that's yeah. really awesome. Amen. So, yeah. Well, thanks for taking your time out tonight and chatting Thank you, with Steph. me. Thank you, Steph. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Thank God for His incredible love and compassion to pursue us even when we are far off. I am incredibly thankful that God used willing people to help Dan find what his soul desperately needed. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. It is so humbling to think of all the people that have taken the time out to listen to each episode. I pray that this episode is a blessing to you. Make sure that you check out my husband, Phil Baker's podcast, Reclaiming the Faith. His most recent episode is an interview with his dad, Olin Baker, a licensed professional counselor over the topic of grief. It's really powerful stuff, and I know you'll be blessed by it. If you enjoy the Faithful Podcast, please take a few moments to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Ratings help people find the podcast so that it can be a blessing to them. And while you're there, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. You can find me at faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. Thanks again for listening, and remember to stay faithful, friends.